Hey everybody, welcome to Digging Deeper Jazz. I'm Jeff Antoniak. Well, today I wanna to talk about a couple things at once. One is playing ballads. Another is our tone and then our presentation. Um, we need to be working on all this stuff together. We wanna to get a great tone out of our instrument. Here's the thing, I'm not talking about just the saxophone. Are you a drummer? Do you play acoustic piano or guitar or electric bass or whatever it is? You have to think about your tone. And I know it's easy to think that you have a nice piano and you hit a middle C and out comes a middle C. Yeah, uh, Bill Evans had a different tone than McCoy Tyner had on the piano. Drummers have distinctly different tones with the same stick on the same drum. It's, there's so much technique there. So I wanna work on how we can build this. Your, your tone, your sound, I mean, that's it. That's your voice, right? That's how people recognize you. So we're gonna do this today. We're gonna use the song Body and Soul. It could be any ballad, but we're gonna use Body and Soul, and I wanna show you one of the ways I work on my sound every day. Now, yes, there's all this saxophone stuff I do and working with voicing and my diaphragm and harmonic exercises and long tones and all this kind of stuff. Let's make music out of this stuff. Let's play music. So let me just play the first little bit of this tune just so you uh, have in your ear what we're uh, using as our point of departure. All right, first four measures of the song Body and Soul. So, um, there was a couple things. I was not using accompaniment. I don't want you to use accompaniment when you do this. No iReal Pro, no backing tracks or anything. I was also not really playing in time. I wasn't keeping rhythm. That's part of this exercise. So as I played each one of those notes, I was thinking about how that note was resonating on my instrument. Saxophone, even a great one, is a very uh, inconsistent instrument. A good piano should be pretty consistent. But how was I playing those notes? Every single note was a dynamic exercise. I was hearing that note hit the back wall of the room and come back to me, and I was making decisions about every note. I wasn't thinking about notes and rhythms. I was thinking about the timbre, and there's much more we're gonna get into. So that's the song. And so right there, that's a long tone exercise. I will play that four measures over and over and over again for five minutes, for 10 minutes, and let it settle in. So part of it is, you know, getting my sound going on my instrument, and I'm giving you permission to move this slowly. Have I said anything that's, you know, that's terribly difficult? No, but how many of you have done this kind of practice ever, or in the last year, or in the last week? I'm gonna say many of us have not, right? Slow down, really get to know the sound of our instrument. Play one note. Is that the most beautiful thing in the universe? If not, do it again. Now, look at this list that I put together of things we can think about as we're playing a tune, as we're playing four measures of a ballad. So let's look at the first two. So how about volume? This really affects the timbre of our instrument. If you're banging the keys on the piano, if you're playing the saxophone like you're trying to be heard 10 miles away, the timbre may not be so nice, right? So the, re so the volume of your instrument can really change things. Think about Miles Davis playing a ballad, right? Whispering. 
And then the next one, dynamics. So it's not really our overall volume, but how do the notes relate to each other? All the syllables that I'm saying here are not even. Some syllables louder, some less so. So let me play a little bit for you, thinking about volume and dynamics. So here is if I play at a high volume. You could hear some air in my sound, perhaps. Maybe we could hear your fingers on the string, right? Maybe we'd hear the tip of the stick as opposed to just this loud drum sound. Maybe we could hear the head vibrating on that drum. This is a big deal. You're the one that decides. You're the one playing, right? Are you gonna be screaming a ballad? Or are you gonna be whispering a ballad? I've done both. They both can be effective. Your desire, right? Which is it gonna be? And now the relative volume, that's such a big thing. That's where the humanity comes from. So I decided loud, 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 softer. You could do whatever you want. You experiment. That's why you're going to do this for 10 minutes a day for, for months and years, is give yourself the luxury of trying things so that when you get on the bandstand, you've rehearsed that line. You're an actor that's not just reading it for the first time. Perhaps a talented actor could do that. Perhaps you and I need to do some homework, right? So wow, your, just your volume is huge, especially on a wind instrument. And then um, the, the sort of relative dynamics of how we move between notes. This is gonna help you listen, by the way, to your heroes and give you like a nice sort of checklist of like, what do they do? What do they not do? When she's playing, what does she do there? And when he's singing that, what's he doing? Wow, interesting. Let's go back to the list. So another big one uh, having to do with volume, or relative volume, is tapering. How do we end the notes? So I hear this all the time. I just finished up at Maryland Summer Jazz, and of course on Jazzwire, seven days a week, I'm listening to hundreds of people from around the world on Jazzwire, which by the way is where you should be, um, playing these tunes. And lots of times I'm hearing people not thinking about how they end notes. Everything ends abruptly. It's like a light switch, on or off. So are we gonna taper those notes? Are you gonna use an abrupt ending on occasion? It's a big deal. Now, different instruments. On the piano, we don't have exactly that uh, control over sustain. I have to deal, deal with my air. A piano will naturally sustain, but how do you lift the key? How do you release? Every great uh, piano player studies this endlessly, how to release a note. It's a big, big deal. Listen to the pros and see what they do. Listen to great singers tapering the human voice. It's really cool. All right, next one.
Well, now talking about rhythm. So I was saying that we're playing out of time. And, you know, I do suggest that you do this out of time to give yourself all the time in the world. The last example, I wasn't even phrasing the melody particularly well. I was practicing. I was giving myself time. So now when we want to get more into the phrasing, what are we going to do with the rhythm? Where do we want to rush the melody? Where do we want to slow it down? <laughs> So in that example, you heard uh, a soft volume in general, but then you heard a lot of dynamics within the soft. You heard tapering, and you heard me playing with the melody. Now, you may want to have the lyrics of the ballad in your head so that the, the lyrics sort of inform where we may push through the, you know, the song or not. But here's the other thing. I'm an instrumentalist. I'm not encumbered by the lyrics, so I can do something that perhaps uh, a singer couldn't do. Right? Now that may be going against the tune. So again, how do you know which to do? You try it a hundred different ways. So again, giving you permission to really slow this stuff down. Now, I mentioned Jazzwire earlier. Um, go to this link. I would love for you to take a tour of Jazzwire. You can go to the information site, jazzwire.net, um, and you can get all the information and frequently asked questions and, you know, endless information. Uh, but you can't see Jazzwire because it's a subscription site. It's behind the, the wall, right? So get a tour. Uh, Jessica would love to give you a tour of this thing. And we brought, I don't know, 50 people in in the last month or so um, after seeing what's going on and how this kind of work, I could hear you play. We could go back and forth with this. And this is, by the way, is all done online, right? So whether you're living in Germany or Australia or South Africa or wherever, we get to do this work together. So yeah, uh, sign up for a tour and uh, hopefully see you at Jazzwire. Okay, so moving, just giving yourself time to move through the melody is such a big deal. Let's look at a couple other ideas here. So stylistic elements. Um, on the saxophone, I can use vibrato. I can bend a note. There's all sorts of little, you know, sort of human voice things we can do. You can do most of those things on, uh, on the guitar. You can do some of that stuff on the drums. There's all sorts of things that your instrument can do. And people have figured out how to make the piano, which is very limited, not vocal-like, obviously one of the most expressive instruments in, the, in human history, right? So there's so much we can do on our instrument. You have to spend the time. This stuff doesn't just sprinkle down on you as you're dreaming at night. Um, we have to spend the time figuring out how to do this. How do you figure that out? What book should you read? Don't read a book. Play four measures of a ballad over and over again. You see the point I'm making, right? Um, now, here's the thing. Do I want to bend to every note? Do I want to bend to any of the notes? Most sax players bend too much. Should I? Should I? All these questions, which are you going to do? Let me experiment a bit. So those were five or six different approaches to that note. I can hit it straight on. I've worked on my technique doing this thousands of times to do the subtlest little bend coming into that note. I don't want to overdo it. I don't want to come in flat and out of tune. 
These are all possibilities. It's the first note. Do I want to bend the first note or do I want to state the first note? Chet Baker would just go bang when he sang something like this. Perfectly in tune, very little style, frankly, when we hear Chet Baker singing. It's a way to do it. I can do a chromatic run, which you can do on the piano, up from that low note to the high note. Do I do a slow run? Do I do a fast run? Do I accent the top note? Do I hit it with volume? Do I do it evenly? It's infinite. It's infinite. Give yourself, again, this luxurious time to do this. This is the best thing you can do. Do you know these six or seven notes on your instrument? Yes, you do. Play. Give yourself permission to do this. This is artistic thinking. So melodic embellishment. So, yeah, you know, now we're getting sort of past tone, not that we're past it, but now we're talking about, you know, is there something we can add to the melody? So I've been changing up the rhythms for sure. I'm sure by this point I've repeated some notes. This is something I like doing in ballads. Um, John Coltrane does this a lot. I'm sure that's a, a big influence on uh, how I play ballads. <laughs> So this is, you know, again, totally coming from Coltrane. Not that I'm playing in his style or with his sound or anything like that necessarily. But um, how we can embellish just uh, with little rhythmic things. Of course, we can add notes. You can add big, long, you know, bebop fills like Sonny Stitt would do uh, between these phrases. But that's, I'm not really going that direction. This is about tone and how you sing a melody. Well, hey, thank you for uh, spending time with me here on Digging Deeper Jazz. I would love to hear your experience with this. Please leave some comments, whether it's YouTube or Facebook. I want to know what tune you tried this on. And I do want to know that you limited yourself to four <laughs> measures. Don't go on to measure five. Do the first four measures over and over again. I can't wait to hear how this works for you. And if you find this to be fun, valuable, rewarding practice, I think you will. Take care. Mm -hmm.